Well, I got a question for you. Do you really need more than money in your job? Well, it appears there's a whole lot of people out there today who do. They're looking for more. I'm going to tell you what they're looking for and what you can legitimately look for in your job. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, welcome into the 48 Days Radio Show here. If you're new, you may be wondering why 48 Days. Well, it comes from the title of one of my books, 48 Days to the Work You Love, but the concept is... You can change your life dramatically in 48 days if you create a plan and act on it. That is indeed enough time to assess where you are, to get the advice and opinion of other people that you trust, to evaluate what are the three or four best options, do a little bit more research, choose one and act. That's a process that a whole lot of people have gone through. It's been proven over and over again. And having a timeline helps eliminate procrastination and indecision. Move forward, make a decision. Well, here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today. Each week, I answer listener questions on here. Once in a while, I bring in an outside expert, but that's pretty rare. Most of the time, it's just full of questions that you, the listeners, shoot in. I'm honored to unpack these together with you. So I want I want a question for you is, what are you looking for in your work besides money? We'll talk about that. Somebody asked, can I do the 48 days to the work you love process in only 30 days? Yes, you can. I'll tell you exactly what to do. Somebody says, I've worked in the same job for 23 years and I'm just bored. Another listener, I'm 43 years old in the military and can retire in 18 months with half pay. What would you do? I'm happy to tell you that. Here's one. I started a job three months ago, and now I know a bad de- I made a bad decision. What should I do? And another one, if we have time to get to it, I have a side business, but feel like I'm spinning my wheels. So my quotation today is actually just a question from me. What message is your life sending to those around you today, even if you don't open your mouth? Interesting. Okay, what message is your life sending to those around you today, even if you don't open your mouth? Now, we typically have a resource, and today's no exception to that. I got a resource for you where you can get the 48 days to the work you love schedule. Now, this is not in the book. It's not available on our website, but I'll tell you exactly how to get it because we've got a gentleman who asked, you know, can he reduce that down to 30 days? And I'm going to kind of explain how to do that. But if you go to 48days.com slash work, you're actually going to see there the bonuses that are received when you buy the book. But stick with me here in a little bit. I'm going to give you a hack. I'm going to give you an inside tip how you can bypass that, go right to those bonuses. Uh, even if you don't have the book, we're just going to honor you as being a, a podcast listener today, give you access to those bonuses, including the schedule. Now, as you know, when I go through here, if I answer your question, I'll send you an autographed copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Thrilled to do that. I do that immediately when I finish the podcast each week, pull those names and addresses and shoot those out with a little note to you. 
If you go to 48days.com slash askdan, that's the site where you can just ask a question or leave an audio like we've got a couple today. Now, I want to start with a little story. This is a story out of Rudder of the Day. It's one of the more popular stories that I get still get comments on just week after week, years after I wrote it the first time. But it's titled, Get Off the Nail Today. And this is really indicative of what I'm hearing from a lot of you. A lot of you people out there today. But I start this by saying I heard a story from my friend Bob about an old dog lying on the front porch. A neighbor approached the porch and could hear the dog softly moaning. He asked his friend why the dog was whimpering. And the owner said he's lying on a nail. Well, predictably, the man asked, why doesn't he move? To which the owner replied, I guess it just doesn't hurt quite that much yet. Well, I have gotten so much feedback on that. But about a year after I wrote that, I had an attorney call me. He said he was that old dog, very much in pain about his daily activities, but the pain was still almost tolerable. The image was so etched in his mind that he started every day identifying with that old dog. Now, so we discussed his situation. I mean, his clear sense that he was off track and the need for dramatic change in his life I mean, he was seeing his family, his health, his peace being eroded by his commitment to keeping things the same. However, I ran into him about six months after that, and he was still waiting to begin the process of introspection and exploration of new options. Now, you know, I know that when things are familiar, it can be pretty attractive, even if it's not the best. I mean, we talk about you know, good is the enemy of the best. If something's just okay, you can tolerate it. Sometimes it's better to have that train wreck where you get fired to lose your job, your business tanks or whatever, because it forces you to look at new options as opposed to just what I call comfortable misery. But I see a lot of people just kind of droning through, you know, mundane lives, hanging on to their comfortable misery and blocking the thrill of what new, what a new opportunity could bring, what's available. So, you know, Don't be like that old dog, just moaning and groaning about your situation, but not doing anything. I mean, how bad does the pain have to be before you get up and do something? I mean, in the workplace today, there's a lot of volatility. You know, there's tons of people moving around and they're uncovering all kinds of new opportunities. So if you're in a negative environment, one that causes you pain and anguish, Maybe it's time to take a fresh look at yourself, define where you want to be, and then just develop that plan of action for getting there. Now, this is a, this is a piece that um, I picked up from one of the news sources. Oh, it was actually a Harris Poll survey. They said that a whole lot of people who have switched to new jobs here in the last few months are kind of unhappy with the decision that they made. Now, you know what's happening. We've talked about it here a lot, where for the last nine months, nine consecutive months, there have been more than 4 million people who have quit their jobs in the U.S. every month. 4 million people. Now, that doesn't mean we've got an, a, an accumulation of you know 36 million people who aren't working. No. Those people, like last month as an example, for, I forget what the exact number was, but over 4 million people quit their jobs, but there were over 6.7 million new hires. So there's actually more people being hired than what had quit. So there's a positive uptick in people working. It's not that unemployment is going up. It's not. It's going down. But people are shuffling around. 
They're taking advantage of this time right now, knowing you can get a job. Golly, you can walk down the street and have four job offers before lunchtime. So people are doing that. However, it turns out that 20% of the job quitters who joined that great resignation, according to this new poll, found that 20%, one in five, regret having quit the job they had before. That's pretty interesting. You know, and back in, well, now in, in 2021, more than 47 million workers jumped ship. Many reshuffled into a different job. But this survey found that a whole lot of these workers were lured by the prospect of maybe a little bit more salary without taking other factors about that job into consideration. So of those who regret the decision, the majority, 36%, say they felt they lost a work-life balance. So what they got in increased income, a little bit, whatever that may be, they lost in work-life balance. Others said their new job role was different than what they expected. Some said they missed the culture at their old job. Some say they didn't properly weigh the pros and cons of quitting. Well, some who aren't fully regretting their decisions still seem discontented. A third of those who quit. Now, this is really interesting. So we had those 47 million last year that quit, and this year the trend is continuing. We have a whole lot of people shuffling around. A third of those are already looking to jump ship again in favor of a job with a better work environment or pay for the survey. Now, we're One of the questions that we're going to answer here in a little bit comes from a listener who says he's been at his job for 30 or for three months, Yeah, three months, and he knows he made a bad decision. That's not uncommon, not uncommon. So a whole lot of those people, you may be one of them who jumped ship. Maybe you didn't, maybe you landed on another ship is not sailing to the, the primrose waters that you thought it was going to. And that's okay. That's okay. You know, it, You don't need to feel ashamed about that, embarrassed or whatever. Just see it as a learning process and keep refining this process of finding work that really is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Now, a few years ago, Daniel Pink wrote a book titled Drive. And in that, he researched. Daniel does a great job of doing deep research. And all of his books, all of his writings, he's a really brilliant guy. And he defined three things that people have to have in their work in order for them to stick. Three things. And I want you to know that you can look for these. You can expect these. I mean, you can require these. And if companies are smart, they're going to want to embrace these and be able to offer these, knowing that another dollar an hour may not be enough to keep somebody there. Well, we know it's not, as a matter of fact. Here's what the three things that people need. Autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Now, autonomy, that just means, you know, the opportunity to kind of be in the driver's seat, to feel like you're a uh, captain of your own ship. It doesn't mean that you need to just have the right to do whatever you want to, you know, show up when you want to do. The, no, but it's the sense that you really do have some input into the work that you're doing. Autonomy, the mastery, the opportunity to get better and better at something that matters. Purpose, the opportunity to be involved in something bigger than yourself. I mean, those are the things that people are looking for. Autonomy, mastery, and purpose. If you're floating around, make sure you don't get trapped by just a little bit more money. Make sure that these things are in place 
so that you really can have work that is meaningful. Now, I got a question here from Joe, and I'm going to play his little audio question. It's just real short, his audio question, and then we'll kind of unpack it. Listen to this. Dan, I've been given 30 days uh, at my current job. I'm curious which of the 48 day steps can be combined into a single day uh, to constrict the 48 days process into only 30. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. So Joe's been given 30 days notice that he's not going to have his job. And he wants to know if he can compress the 48-day process down to 30. Yeah, you certainly can. In the 48-day process, and I'm going to tell you how to get this if you don't have it, so you can look at it yourself. But we've got a, a very concise schedule for 48 days. However, it's really based on the assumption that you haven't even read the book yet, that you're just starting. So, Joe, I'm going to I'm gonna take a gander that you've already read the book or pretty familiar with the principles. So you can compress the first few days very easily. So like day one, review this schedule, you know, that read chapter one. What is your work? Well, you can combine those two. Days three and four, you can combine those two easily. Read chapter two and then the responses to that. Day, the, the next days, five and six, combine those as well. Do that consistently all the way through to day 12. Combine, you know, one and two, three and four, five and six, seven and eight, nine and 10, 11 and 12. Do that, and you've already cut it down. We're down, we're going to be down to really, you can throw 13 in with number 12 there, and you're down to what, what you have to get to is day 35. If, in fact, you're just looking for another job. So if you do that, if you combine those first few days like that, compress those, and only go to day 35, you actually only have 27 days. You can go through the very first part and have put out your applications, your resumes, doing interviews and the whole thing, you know, looking for job offers in 27 days. You can do that. A lot of people do that. We have a lot of testimonials about people doing it in that period of time, having some familiarity already on the front end with the 48 days principles. However, a little caveat here, but if you are thinking about doing something on your own, then 30 days is a pretty short period of time. There you really need the 48. That goes into at the end, tail end of that, you know, in the last chapter of 48 Days to the Work You Love, I talk about the ideas of things you might want to do on your own, that maybe you don't want to be vulnerable to just taking a job where they're going to let you go again. You want to put yourself in the driver's seat and kind of walk into that dream you've always been dreaming about that's been just kind of in the on the back burner. That does take a little bit more time. If you have 30 days, my recommendation would be, though, to just get another job. Get another job, but if you have a clear idea of what you want to be doing three years from now, and that may be something that you're doing on your own, then you take a job with a different mindset. It doesn't have to be the perfect dream job. You know it's just a vehicle to get you through a period of time until you can be fully on your own. So those are kind of some options there. Now, here's the hack. Here's the hack. I told you that our resource for today was to go to 48days.com slash work. That's going to show you where you can get the bonuses if you purchase the book. And what it's going to do, it's going to ask for your first name, your last name, your email, and then the receipt number for where you purchased the book. Well, here's the hack. You can put anything you want to in as a receipt number. You can put in one, two, three, four, five. 
you know, as I just did a minute ago to test my theory, you could put in anything. It's kind of smoke and mirrors there. So just uh, go to 48days.com slash love your work and then fill out that little form, put in anything you want to as a receipt. And you're going to get along with the actual schedule. You're going to get that. You're also going to get the complete book in digital format with me reading it. You're going to also get the complete book in a digital PDF format. So you're getting the whole book, the audio, worksheet to follow along while reading the book, and then sample resume, introduction letter, cover letter, and follow-up letter. Now, again, I've, I don't, I've never, never done that before, but I'm telling you a little backdoor secret, a hack you can get in. You can get all of that. And just to, to honor you as a, a regular 48 Days podcast listener. And keep in mind, as always, you know, if you ask a question here, I'll send you a copy of the, the, the real book, the physical book, autographed by me. If you send your question in through 48days.com slash askdan. All right, let's uh, jump in here. Gerald has a question. I really appreciate your passion to help people find myself needing some direction. I've worked in the same nonprofit for 23 years. I think I'm just burned out. I'd like to go to a different direction. My nonprofit keeps losing good people and the work keeps piling on with no end in sight. I'm in my early 50s. I don't want to start over at the bottom somewhere. To compound things, we'd like to move to a warmer climate. I wonder if I should look for a job I can do remotely first and then move or seek a job in our desired location first. Thanks for all you do, Jerry. Well, thanks for your question. It sounds like you're in a, a good position, but in the driver's seat to make make your own decision. Absolutely. I would suggest as I lay out in all my materials, decide on the life you want first. Always do that. Don't let the job be the indicator of the life you're living or even where you're living. Decide on the life you want and where you want to be. So if you want to move to a warmer climate, hey, come on down here to Florida. There's a whole lot of space left. You know, it's funny. We sometimes think about, you know, everybody's going to Florida. It's getting really crowded. Joanna and I recently went across the state to Palm Beach over to the Barrett-Jackson Auto Auction. Had a blast. But we realized how how sparsely populated Florida is. I mean, you get about 10 miles on either coast. And in between that, there is nothing we drove for miles and miles concerned that we hadn't seen a gas station or anything in a very, very long time. There's a whole lot of space if you want to come to a warmer climate. Well, that's just one suggestion. There's certainly others. You can go to Costa Rica or Texas or California. But yeah, go ahead and have fun doing that. Now, in regard to your the work that you're doing, you can certainly get another position with a nonprofit if you want to. I mean, they're Mike Locke, we already alluded to. I mean, every company, every organization is looking for people right now. There's so much movement around, so much volatility and people leaving, looking for new opportunities. Every organization is looking for good, good people. So with the track record like you've got, good work for 23 years, you can find opportunities anywhere you want to. Geography is not going to have much to do with it. You can move anywhere you want to and find a company that's within 10 miles of your house or you can look for something remotely, as you talk, described. Now, that's very, very common. I've got a coaching call this week with a lady who moved from New York City down to the uh, Dominican Republic just to live there, and she kept her same job as a administrator 
even with that major move, just by working remotely. So a lot of possibilities there. When we're talking about nonprofits, I want to talk about this a little bit because it keeps coming up again and again and again. You can work for a nonprofit and if you're bored and not making a lot of money, let's say, so you want a new opportunity, you can go to another nonprofit that's rocking out there that has a really good economic model that pays really well. I mean, think about Scott Harrison who started Charity Water, you know, the major organization that's provided fresh, clean water to millions of people now around the world. Scott's a great promoter. He really knows how to energize people, bring them together, get them to rally around a cause. And he has major, major donations that come into that. I mean, there's, I'm not going to say plenty of money, never enough. There's always ways to use more, but I mean, he raises hundreds of millions of dollars a year for that organization. And uh, they certainly are doing good out there. I think about Midland Institute for Entrepreneurship. My friend Austin Brooks had the pleasure of being involved in that organization. It's a CEO program for entrepreneurs in high school. So these kids register for an entire year. They are mentored by business people from the community, and they learn entrepreneurial skills. Well, that organization gets income from every school that is using that program. And the money coming into the schools is not from the school budget. It's sponsored by business people in the community who know that producing people, kids who understand business is a good investment for their community. So they get funding. That funding allows everything the kids need for materials and all that and provides income back to the parent organization, which means the people at the parent organization continue to increase their income as well. You know, the lines between nonprofit and for-profit businesses have really softened. I mean, when you when you think about it, you think about nonprofits, gee, they want to do good. They want to make the world a better place. Well, every business wants to do good, wants to make the world a better place, wants to be ecologically responsible, wants to give back, wants to help those who are less fortunate. I mean, that's not something that's just a captive of a nonprofit. I mean, you you can follow your heart for service and ministry and be, be working in a business that's making millions of dollars in profit where your compensation is, you know, $250,000, That could be in a regular business or a nonprofit. I mean, nonprofit is just a legal and accounting category. It doesn't mean the company is doing better work or serving more people. So as you look for a new opportunity, it doesn't matter if it's a nonprofit or or a regular corporation. It really doesn't. You can still address what is it that makes the work meaningful, purposeful, and profitable for you. Where is it that you can get autonomy, mastery, and purpose? Golly, just welcome welcome the opportunity, Jerry, to uh, take this fresh look at what you're doing and why. Yeah, so as I talk about over and over in 48 Days to the Work You Love, decide what kind of life you want to be living first. I mean, think about three years from now. Where do you want to be? What would you like a typical day to consist of? And as you do that, you know, create that life, then decide what you need to do to provide income. The times when uh, Joanna and I have moved, you know, multiple times, crisscross and across the country and all that, the destination has never been determined by work. 
The destination has always, every single time, been determined by the life we wanted to live first. And then when we get there, then I figure out what to do because there's so many opportunities for things that you really can do. All right, Brian says, Dan, I'm not sure what to do. I'm in the military. I have a bachelor's degree in business and master's in sports administration. I only have 18 months left till I'm eligible for a military retirement, at which point I'll be 43 years old. I'm at the top of the NCO Corps with only one rank left to achieve, which is probably not going to happen. The question is, what would you do if it were you and this was in front of you? Retirement pay is half my salary, not enough to thrive on. My expertise in the military is recruiting, and my profession at this point is operations first sergeant. Thanks for your wisdom. I listen to your podcast every time I run each week. All right. Well, hey, thanks for your question, Brian. I'm going to give you four options for what you could do. Number one, you could stay in the military and just coast with the rank and income that you have now. You know, put in a few more years. Number two, at 43, you could leave in that 18 months, work half time, and still make the same money while having a whole lot of freedom. Okay, if they're going to pay half your salary, all you have to do is replicate half your salary. You may do that in two days a week work and have the rest of the time free. All right, you could get number three, you could get a comparable job in recruiting and operations, which is, again, a really hot topic right now. Every company is struggling with recruiting. And now be making one and a half times what you are now. So again, a comparable job, making what you're making now, but you've got that half salary that you're going to be getting as a pension from the military. That increase could fund a pretty great retirement fund from, say, 43 to 63 or 43 to 73. Well, you've got them at 43. You're still young. You aren't looking to retire or do nothing. I certainly hope. But if you use the next 20 years, yeah, you could really make a difference in what you have in retirement. And then number four, with a nice guaranteed base, you could explore doing something on your own that you've always wanted to do. I mean, Estevan Montoya, a um, friend of mine, uh, st- actually he's a pastor and he was fishing as a way to provide food for his family. But in fishing and knowing that he was really good at fishing, he developed a fishing rod for fly fishing. It's called tenkara. Tenkara is a Japanese word that means literally uh, dropping from the sky. And that's kind of the, what he wants the fly to appear to have done to the fish, just drop from the sky. You can you can check him out if you go to Rocky Mountain, that's M-T-N, tenkara.com. You'll see what, what Estevan is doing there. But, you know, it might be a time to move into something like that with a nice half of your salary so you aren't desperate but you could explore new opportunities like that. You know, years ago, I was uh, getting my master's degree in clinical psychology, and I uh, ended up being the student representative on a search committee committee for a new department head, psychology department, the university where I was getting my master's degree. So we did a search, and we ultimately selected a gentleman who was at the Air Force Academy in um Colorado Springs. And I had the pleasure of going out there. Joanne and I flew out there and actually stayed with him and his wife a couple of days as just part of the, the interviewing process. It was a delightful time. He did come to the university as a wonderful, wonderful guy. He had a pretty high rank in the military. And he was at the point, much like you're described that you're at here, Brian, where he could get half his salary. 
he thought that it was financially irresponsible for him to stay in the military with that half salary available. It just, there was no way that it made sense. He can leave, get a job where he was making significantly more and still getting that half salary. I mean, the increase was just pretty astounding. That was his perspective. It would be irresponsible for him to stay in when he knew he could leave and get half the salary. But anyway, just to review those four options that I gave there. I think you can find something that you're comfortable with, but I would certainly be looking at an exit plan in 18 months. Regardless, that would be an absolute given uh, if I were in your shoes. All right. Jason says, when is it time to admit you made the wrong decision? I started a job almost three months ago. It's in the same industry I've been in for almost 30 years, but a different uh, application and discipline. I feel completely underwater and I'm not sure if I'll ever get it. But even if I do, I don't think I'll ever like it. I took the job in the hopes that it would advance my career, but in my late 40s, maybe it'd be better just to hone my skills and expand my knowledge in the field I was in before. Not to mention, I could probably be making about 15000 more per year. Well, Jason, you know, taking a job is always an experiment. There are always things you can't really know until you actually spend about three months there, which is what you've done. I mean, if a, if a company's smart, I mean, anybody that we bring on in our organization at 48 Days, we always start with a 90-day trial period. We want to have a conversation after the 90 days. Is this what you expected? Is this really fulfilling for you? Are you the person we expected? Are you providing us the service that we expected? But I would expect that to be the case. So after three months, you're kind of just in that trial period. You know, Zappos, now this was before they were bought out, but under the leadership of Tony Shea, they were famous for what was called the offer. And that was a program that offered new employees after they were there for four weeks, following the training period for four weeks, they were offered $2,000 to quit. Now, they were really, really famous for that because it seemed like you got to be kidding. You're tempting people to quit. Yeah. I mean, if the people aren't so happy with the decision that they made to be there and with how they're being compensated, they wanted to give them an opportunity to step away gracefully. After four weeks, if you didn't like it, if you decided you made a bad decision, they'd pay you $2,000 bonus to leave. That, that's pretty radical. I love that kind of model. So if you know it was a poor decision, get out. I mean, as I shared in the opening segment there, there's thousands of people right now who are shifting around in their jobs, trying to find something that fits. You know, recently I, we had one of our food for thought with Dan, the luncheons that I'm doing monthly right now where people can come and have lunch with me, or I pick up the tab just for the privilege of having a conversation together. Had a young lady in there who's a manager at one of the fine food establishments right here near where I live here. And she described that she had just hired a young gal and had just an online, just an over Zoom call training session with her that was going to last like 45 minutes. And about halfway through, the gal says, hey, it's too much time. You know, I need to go. She just got up and left. She had hired the gal. She had reviewed her resume, talked with her, hired her. And before a short training period was up, the gal just said, nah, I got to go. That is so typical of what we're hearing right now. It's not uncommon for, especially in the hospitality industry or restaurant, you know, to, to hire four people and the first day, two of them don't even show up. Not uncommon at all. Well, 
time of change offers challenges and opportunities like so many things. All right, let me go here. Let me just get one more question in here. Listener says, it's impossible to start a business on the side in my field. I do carpentry, home repairs, cabinet building, installing, etc. There's just not enough time in the day or the week to get this type of business off the ground working part-time. My day job is demanding, but it also occupies my day from 7 to 5.30, Monday through Friday. I already work most evenings and almost every Saturday on the side business. It takes me several weeks just to complete one small side project. I'm just spinning my wheels. What would I do? Well, here, here's the thing. You can't add a side business that is just so directly connected to time and effort. You're describing two jobs that create linear income and two jobs that require an immense amount of time. Being gone 7 to 5.30 Wow, that's a whole lot of time out of your day right there. And then to add in a side business where it requires a lot of your time, it that, that is unsustainable Yeah, over a long period of time. So, and, and the difference, what, what you're describing, when I describe that you're creating linear income, that means you do something once and get paid once. So certainly as a carpenter, that's typical. But the same thing is true of a factory worker, or a teacher, or an accountant a dentist, an attorney, they all are getting, for the most part, linear income. They do something once, get paid once. I mean, what we all look for is how to create residual income. How could you do something once? The things that appeal to me are simply things that I can do once and get paid a thousand times over. So that could be a book, a course, it could be music, it could be having an online community, a mastermind. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do that where you get paid over and over and over again. So you've got a couple options available to you on this. You could continue your side business doing carpentry, cabinet building, installing with a clear plan that you're going to move to that full time within six months. I mean, that way there's an end game for stretching yourself so thin right now. What you're doing right now, you, know, you can't continue. It's just going to be frustrating. But if you are doing what you're doing and you know that within six months, you're going to switch creating a clear transition plan to move from the day job you have now to having your own business. I mean, that can work. And you hear me talk a lot on here about use 15 hours a week, you know, squeeze out those 15 hours of discretionary time that you have to be working on your side business. And when you can be generating 50% of your current day job income, you've got a pretty clear idea that you could make this work if you then devoted the rest of your full time to that and grow it. So if you see that possibility, do that, but only if you know that you can switch full-time in the next six months. Now, the other option is to keep your current job, but just take on a few side projects where you know you're going to be compensated very well. So instead of just doing an average kind of job, you know, building a shelf or building a desk, you, you could you know, make grandfather clocks, or you could make fruit bowls or planter boxes. And even there, see if you specialize. I mean, I've got a, a gal in my mastermind who has a business, and, and one of the things that they do is to make raised garden boxes. They're very popular for people to have small gardens. So they make these raised garden boxes, which, of course, is just a wooden frame, but then they install it with instructions, and they put the dirt in. So instead of just time and materials, you're providing a new hobby a way of producing family food, 
I mean, that's much different than just building a box. Here's another idea. I mean, I had have a set of cornhole boards, you know, where you, they're slanted boards. They got a hole in them and you throw the little bags and try to get them in them. And I love that game. So I've got a set of cornhole boards with the 48 days logo on them. Now, trust me, I paid a whole lot more for those than just what a couple sheets of plywood would cost. So if you can see that you can do projects like that, now see that guy that does that, I mean, I think that's all he does is just those cornhole boards like that. But people see mine and I refer them to him and he produces those with a logo on it or a family name or family crest. You can do whatever you want to on the cornhole boards. So it makes the object worth a whole lot more than just the materials and time would indicate. So if you can find something like that, I think you can continue to do something on the side. Otherwise, I'd look for a way that you can transition full time. And if this is really what you want to do. Well, I want to end with just another little story. Um, and we're seeing increasing creativity, as I've talked about in hiring and how people are hiring. We're seeing increasing creativity in, in interviewing. I mean, on both sides, I mean, a lot of interviewers have a, a favorite question like why are manhole covers round or how many barbers are there in Chicago? Or if you could be an animal, what would it be? I mean, we're told a lot of times that uh, the interviews are looking for way more than just your intellectual achievements, your academic record and all of that. You know, we know that a lot of communication is nonverbal. So there's a whole lot of things that are kind of being played out here that we're seeing more and more of today. J.C. Penney was infamous for taking potential hires out to breakfast. I mean, he, for one thing, he always scheduled them at like 630 in the morning, which for some people is kind of a stretch, but he wanted to know what kind of person is he interviewing here? And then he'd take him to breakfast. And if that person put salt and pepper on their food before tasting it, interview was over. Mr. Penny believed that this was a person who made decisions before they had all the information they needed. I mean, it's just one of those little things you could disagree with it. That's what, that was one of the criteria that he looked for. Jeff O'Dell of August Technology often takes candidates out to lunch. And then he suggests, well, why don't you drive? You know, my car's up in the parking tower. Why don't you drive? Because he says, how organized someone's car is provides an amazing indicator of how organized the rest of their life is. Again, like it or not, that's what he used. I mean, Odell believed that the best job candidates not only will have clean cars, you know, no Coke cans or tennis balls rolling around in the back seat, but they will also excel at the casual conversation in a restaurant. He says it's a way to learn the personal side of things, whether or not they have a family, do they smoke, what they have as hobbies, et cetera, things that don't come out in the formal interview. Now, I often ask to meet with a client or even someone trying to sell me something for lunch. And then in watching how they interact with others, how they treat the waitress, how they attempt to pick up or avoid the check. I mean, I learn a lot about a person in that process. I've done hundreds and hundreds of those. You know, someone who treats the waitress poorly is probably not someone I want to do business with either to work with or to buy from. Now, Dave Hall doesn't mind making employee candidates a little more nervous than they already are. He's a principal at Search Connection, likes to place want ads that list his company's name, but not its phone number. Now, think about that. If you're scanning through you know, job opportunities, and of course, there are a lot of them out there, and you see something that's really appealing, but gee, the numbers out there, I want next. No, he wants only candidates who bother to look up the number. 
when he's not entirely sure about a candidate after the interview, he tells them to, to call him to follow up. And then he doesn't return their first three calls. I mean, purposely knowing the person, he sets them up like that. He says, Hey, you know, this went pretty well. I think you'd be a good candidate here. You know, I think we get you started, you know, maybe next Monday, but give me a call. Give me a call Thursday afternoon. And then he avoids, doesn't return their first three calls. He says he's looking for employees who persist through a whole lot of no thank yous in making perhaps recruiting calls or sales calls. So it's part of him identifying the real winners. Look for those things today. So the message is, again, my question is, what message would your life or is your life sending to those around you today, even if you don't open your mouth? Well, we're going to wrap things up here. Again, you know that you can send a question in. If I answer your question, I'll send you an autographed copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Just go to 48days.com slash askdan for that opportunity. Love hearing your questions. Thanks for being faithful listeners of the podcast. I know you have a lot of choices out there. There's a whole lot of podcasts. I keep adding more to my listening list that I listen to when I'm out walking. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of them regularly. And then keep adding new ones in as well. But a great source of information to give you new opportunities to help you uncover what other people don't see. Thanks for being part of this 48 Days crowd. And, you know, thanks for listening, for sending in those questions, for being open to growing, for being a powerful force, for making the world a better place, and for believing with me, without a shadow of a doubt, that we can find or create No matter how volatile the workplace is, no matter how much is changing out there, no matter if you lost your job yesterday, we're convinced together we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. This could be your chance, so take it.